Hydriver Mofos, you're probably aware that I've been working flat out on our social media presence to try to expand our community of Driver Mofos globally. I've been posting tons of free content to keep you inspired, driven, and working towards your goals. So if you haven't already followed and subscribed to all my social media channels, please make sure you do so as I post different content on different platforms. The links are available in the description of this podcast down below. So these are some really simple but amazing principles that I learned from studying some of the advanced sciences that can help you to create habits a lot faster. This podcast, The Underestimated Entrepreneur, is for the driven mofos out there who are driven to achieve more in life and business. After studying 1,457 of the world's most successful people in different fields and spending over $1 million on coaches, consultants, and seminars, I wanted to share with you the key learnings, lessons, tips, tools, and strategies that have not only made them super successful, but have also allowed me to go from the kid who was put into special classes, getting kicked out of school and wanting to end my life, to becoming the mental performance coach to some of the country's most successful people and helping me to grow multiple businesses. I want to help all of those out there who have been underestimated to prove their doubt is wrong and to help them to achieve more than they could possibly imagine. I hope you enjoy. In this episode, I'm going to be talking about some of the laws that I have learned or some of the principles that I've learned in regards to advanced science and human behavior. Now, if you were to use some of these principles, you'll probably create habits a lot faster and you'll probably get a lot better results in life. Driven Mofos, welcome back to another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Today, I really want to talk about some of the advanced sciences that I have learned from studying lots of different fields of study. You know, I wouldn't say I'm an expert in depth into a lot of these fields, but I've studied enough to really understand the core principles of a lot of different fields of science, understand how they work, and have related them back to human behavior, which not many people do. And there seems to be a big clash between the fields like psychology and social sciences and hard sciences. And what I mean by that is that if you study hard science, you'll see that there is this idea of some sort of balance or symmetry that that is applied to advanced science. And if you have a look at things like, let's just say physics, you'll see that there is this idea that things with a positive charge attract a negative charge in order to stabilize. I originally came across the philosophy of mental and emotional balance by studying the yin and yang philosophy or Chinese philosophy. And they had this principle, which most of you have seen or, or have seen around the place or have tried to understand. And that is this idea of yin and yang. And that is that as the darkness expands, so does the light. As the positive side expands, so does the negative side, because it's always trying to stabilize and stay in place. And the yin yang philosophy is probably one of the most amazing philosophies. Yin and yang shows that wherever there is darkness, there is light within the dark. And that also as the dark side expands, so does the light side, but the light side also contains darkness. And what it states is that everything is trying to stabilize. It's all part of a whole system or a whole structure, but you'll have one side, which then also creates the opposing side. And this principle can just be expanded into all areas. Like right now you have seen, uh, and in society, if you look at westernized culture, we've seen a huge expansion expansion in capitalism, which means that the rich are getting richer. There is this ability of people to generate larger incomes. So our incomes have gone up quite dramatically, especially in the Western world. Our spending and consumerism has gone up quite a lot. Now, at the same time, there has been this rise of socialism and socialism is a counterbalancer to something like capitalism. And socialists believe that everyone should be treated equal, that everything should be fair, that the rich should be taxed and money should be put back into, um, you know, funded projects for those who aren't as wealthy. Um, we've seen this in the rise of, I won't say feminism because the original feminism was about 
making sure that someone that is labeled as a female or someone who is is feminine or a woman um, has the same opportunities as a male or a man. You know, a lot of people out there can see that this pendulum has swung from one side to the other. And now essentially, if you're a white male, you're fucked. And that's because you can't have a voice, you can't say anything. Uh, there's all this talk about the patriarchy and how men control the world and so on. Now, some of it's probably partially true, but also a lot of it is very untrue and inconsistent. I mean, you know, I'm a male, I don't really control the world. I, I mean, I wish I had a lot more money and was able to do a lot more things. Definitely expand our businesses and, and be able to do things at a lot greater level. So these huge generalizations happen in our society. And so our society creates these huge shifts and these huge pendulums and they pull from one side to the other. You know, women were suppressed and now there is this overexpression of this idea of feminism and women and so on. Now that's not in all countries around the world. It's just from what we see from a westernized culture. Now, if you go to other countries around the world, I know we get people who listen in here from some of the countries in Africa. Now, if you have a look at it over there, if you're a white person, white people are the minority and the majority are of darker skin. So over there, it's very different. And if you travel over to Africa, you can see some of this playing out. But in the westernized culture, we have the opposite where, you know, you'll probably see more uh, whiter colored skin people, um, especially white people in power and so on. And so even though there, there is this balance that's happening globally, we don't necessarily see that balance. So one of the really fundamental laws that I have really been looking deep into for probably the last eight or nine years, especially, has been this idea of a law of balance and seeing where the balance is happening in society, seeing where the balance is happening in myself. So some days, you know, if I'm excited and elated and I'm pumped up and amped up, the next day, normally I'll burn out. Or if I have a couple of days of working really, really hard, then eventually you burn out. And so that is this idea of things coming back into balance. If you are unhealthy and you don't look after your body, then the body has to return back to homeostasis and you'll get sick and knocked out. And then, you know, your body heals itself and, and so on. So we see this law sort of happening at all different scales from the micro level, whether we want to call that from a quantum level, right through to the big astronomical levels or cosmological levels, where now there are more and more theories coming out about this evolving cosmos or evolving universe where systems are swallowed up by black holes and then redistributed and spat out in things called quasars or the energy is redistributed somehow. And we can see this in our body with the birth of new cells and the death of old cells. So there seems to be this consistent idea of transformation, but the transformation is happening through this positive or negative and things are being brought back into balance. And so that's why I'm not a huge fan of positive thinking because it's only really psychology and some of the social sciences that talk about being positive without being negative. Or they'll talk about things like a one-sided idea, like everyone should just be happy. Everybody should just be kind. But as we're all aware, if you're over kind to people, people cross your boundaries and you end up becoming aggressive and angry and fucked off with them anyway. And so one side can produce the other side. It's just that they're separate in time and space. And because of that, most people don't see it. So if you're kind to someone for a long period of time and they start pushing boundaries and you keep being kind, keep being kind, your aggression will start to build up inside of yourself. Now, just because you don't express it doesn't mean that it's not there. It'll be there from the moment that that boundary is crossed. It'll just be internalized. And so a lot of people in things like social science and psychology will say things, you know, like it's better to be kind or it's better to be a nice person, but you can't be a nice person if boundaries are being crossed. Now, there are lots of different learnings from that, but my point is that everything is trying to stabilize. If your boundaries are crossed and you don't express something, you'll suppress it. And so there's this idea of suppression and expression going on within our human behavior. We're trying to keep things in balance and it's there. It's just most people in our society don't understand that just because they don't express something doesn't mean that it's not there. Like I've met so many people at our events who say, you know, I never get angry. And I say, bullshit, you get angry quite a lot. It's just you internalize it. And then I watch their face and they're like, oh yeah, fuck, they do it. That's how they act. I meet a lot of people at our events who come along and they say, you know, I'm a kind person. I'm like, not to yourself. And then I watch their facial expressions change. 
knowledge because they they know that that's true. So this yin and yang principle, I studied for a fair while and then I came across different authors and different work and then started working a lot more with Dr. John D. Martini and we became colleagues and close friends. He was able to help me navigate some of my research and some of my learning into these topics. And so over time, that principle had developed quite heavily and it's helped me to really understand that if we want to live a great life and we want to excel, we need to have mental balance and we need to have emotional stability, not positive thinking, not being happy, not jumping up and down and fist pumping the air. Uh, you know, I see people in sales that do this shit all the time and they get really, really jacked up. They fist pump the air when they get a sale. But when they have a low month, they feel depressed. They beat themselves up. They feel like shit. And so I sometimes get called in to work with sales teams because of this reason, because their sales reps are peaking and troughing. When everything's going well, they're loving it. They're high-fiving the air. They're going out for drinks. They're celebrating. They're loving life. They buy a new car. You know, they're going out for dinner all the time. A couple of months later, they're going through this bit of a lull and they're depressed. They're down they're beating the shit out of themselves. They don't know if they can be a sales rep anymore. They doubt their own uh, skill set. And so the best thing that you can do is be more emotionally stable and realize this is just what you're doing. It's part of the game and off you go. You don't have the peaks, but you don't have the troughs either. So that's one law. So that's the law of balance or the law of equanimity. You might see this is called the law of rhythm. There's so many different laws that can be tied into that yin and yang philosophy, or it could just be called the law of balance. Even in mathematics, the equal sign symbolizes the idea that one side of an equation, if the equation works, it has to be perfectly balanced on both sides. So if we have two plus two, that will equal four, but the four on one side should equate to the four on the other side. So the term equal really means to balance or to stabilize. So we use it in mathematics, the most advanced science, I guess you could say there is, and a universal language. If you have a look, there is no other language around the world that is used by everybody. Mathematics is that. So mathematics is a language that everybody around the world can use that is exactly the same for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you speak Chinese or French or Japanese, it's the same thing. So it's a universal language. Anyway, so that's the first law. Hey Driven Mofos, if you ever want to have the video version of this podcast, which usually has more effects, visuals, graphs, and helps you to retain more of the information that I share, then check out my YouTube channel. I also share bonus in-depth training behind the scenes from some of our live events, plus interviews from some of the country's most successful people. So if you haven't already subscribed to my YouTube channel, then check it out via the link in the description of the podcast. Remember to subscribe to get the latest stuff. The second law that I really want to talk about that makes a massive difference to habit creation, and this one is a really good one, and most people, they know it, but they don't really think about it and they don't really understand it. This is a law called the law of least effort or least action. Now, I'm going to talk about the law of least effort because that sort of relates more to what I'm talking about with human behavior. But what it does is that the law really postulates that animals, people, and well-designed machines will naturally choose the path of least resistance or the least effort. Now, this also ties into another law, which is Newton's first law of motion. And so we've probably heard of Newton's laws. And what it says is that an object at rest will remain at rest and an object in motion will remain in motion at a consistent speed and in a straight line unless acted upon by an unbalanced force. Now, this is important when it comes to habits because if you're lazy and you're sitting on the couch, it is extremely hard to get motivated to get moving again because an object at rest will remain at rest and an object in motion will remain in motion. It was Bill Gates who said, if you want to get something done, give it to a busy person because people that are in motion and are busy already will probably do shit quickly. Whereas someone that's lazy and complacent and just bumming around, they're probably going to remain bumming around because that's the law of motion. So when we look at those two laws combined, the law of least effort means that we're really going to take the path of least resistance. So if someone in life really feels like the law of least resistance or the, the law of least effort is waking up in the morning to go to the gym and it's easy to stay in bed, then they'll stay in bed. If it's easier to get out of bed and go to the gym, then they'll go to the gym. So if you're trying to create habit change, it is important to understand that you want to make it as 
as easy as possible to do that new habit and do it consistently until you build the new habit because then that will become your new path of least resistance. So making sure that you've got your clothes next to the bed in the morning, that everything's set up in the shower. So when the alarm goes off, you just get out of bed, hop in the shower, put your clothes on and off you go to the gym. That's gonna be a lot better than if you were to wake up in the morning and you go, shit, what am I gonna wear? Crap, the clothes are in the laundry. And then you start messing around, then you're probably not gonna go to the gym because that's a lot harder. The path of least resistance is going back to bed or staying at home. Now, if you set your life up to use this law, I guarantee you'll start getting better results a lot quicker. And this is why at my Thrive Time event, we really work on this idea of creating a big mission, understanding that goals come off of that, understanding what your purpose is in life and what your values are. Because once you get clear on those things, that becomes the path of least resistance. Like for me personally, I find it harder not to work than to work. And the reason is that I find it more difficult to deal with my emotional states when I'm not working because I feel like I'm giving up on myself. And so the pain for me is not achieving the goal. The pain for me isn't achieving the goal. So for a lot of people, when they want to create change, the pain is in the change. Whereas if the pain is in staying the same, then you will change because it's pushing you on the path of least effort. It's least effort to have the pain behind you going, you need to change than it is to stay the same. So that's why this principle is so important. We really want to stack up things like the pain or we want to stack up things like the motivation or the inspiration in order to do the things that we want to do and use human behavior tools in order to push us towards those things because that will be the path of least resistance. So for me, going out drinking and partying, that's like more more resistance or more pressure, more stress, more pain for me, hence why I don't do it. So the path of, the path of least action or less effort, I should say, the path of least effort effort really for me is making sure that I consistently keep chasing my goals because I feel like every time I'm not doing that or if I wake up and have a week or two weeks off and I'm not working towards my goals I feel like getting started again is a lot harder so when I go back to the law of least effort it's easier to just keep moving it's easier to keep things in momentum and that comes back to Newton's first law of motion which is an object at rest will remain at rest and an object in motion will remain at motion in a consistent speed so if you're working hard towards something and you're pushing hard then it's easy to just keep that momentum going than it is stopping and starting. And most people, when they think about their habits and their habit creation, they're thinking about stopping and starting. You know, most people want to get ahead financially. They work hard a week, then they stop and then they have the weekend off. Then they start again Monday and it's hard to get back in action. It's hard to get back in gear. You start getting back into the swing of your week again. And then it's Thursday, Friday, it's the weekend again. That's why I pretty much treat every day the same, whether it's Friday, Saturday, Monday, Tuesday, it doesn't matter. Like my week is pretty much the same every day. And I like it that way because then I'm not messing around all the time. If you're trying to create good sleeping habits, over the weekend, you have had a big weekend and you've gone to bed at three or four o'clock in the morning and you've woken up at 11 or 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Then when Monday comes around, you're gonna wake up, you're gonna be fatigued. Sunday night, it's gonna be hard to go to bed and this is gonna start your week off. Then by the end of the week, the following week, you're gonna have this habit being uh, starting to be built and then now it's changed again and you're changing the momentum because you, you're you gonna have a long uh, late nights, you're gonna have you know going out, drinking, changing the diet, all of that stuff, which which is gonna fuck up your sleeping patterns again. If you wanna create good sleeping patterns for the next six months, don't stay awake longer than 10 p.m. Doesn't matter what day it is, what night it is, if you go out for dinner, be home by 10 o'clock or be home by 9.30. Get into bed and be asleep by 10. That way, you'll create a very good habit. If your goal is to go to the gym Monday, Wednesday, Friday, then make sure that you're setting yourself up that Monday, Wednesday, Friday, that's your gym days and keep them that momentum. After a while, it'll just become your new habit. And that might mean that you need a gym partner 
Monday, Wednesday, Friday. You set yourself up with a gym partner and off you go to the gym. That way you're committed to that habit until it becomes a habit or that behavior until it becomes a habit. So Newton's second law is also an important one. And that is the acceleration of an object depends on the mass of the object and the amount of force applied. So what that means is if you're trying to create a habit and you've got an old habit there, you're gonna to have to use a bit of force in order to smash that habit into a new direction or that behavior into a new direction. So you have to put force behind things. And what I find is that most people don't wanna work hard enough or push hard enough at the start of creating new habits in order to get good and effective results. But when you understand that second law or that if something's moving in a certain direction and you need to change it into a different direction, you can use that momentum and smash it and it will move in a different direction. So when I'm trying to create new habits, I tend to go all in. Now, some people say, yeah, but that's, you know, you don't want to be an all or nothing type person. And I agree, being all or nothing is not a good idea because for most people it ends up as nothing because they have this perfectionist mentality. They want it to be perfect. They want to do everything right. And then when they fuck up, instead of just going, cool, you know what? I ate a, I ate a pizza last night. I'm back on track. They'll say things like, I'm going to start Monday. And then off they go again. Here goes this, this cycle over the weekend. It might be a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So they've had three days of reinforcing a shitty habit in order to start again on Monday where they're going to have, they're going to essentially need another three days to outwork the habit of the weekend. And then, like I said before, you've got Thursday, Friday, you start to get back in the swing of things. And then it's Friday, Saturday, Sunday again. And then people go out and eat and drink and all party and all that sort of stuff. And so all their habits go out the window. So it makes a lot harder. What I prefer to do and what I've seen works with a lot of people is that if you really nudge something hard to start with, it will create good momentum. So let's say you're going to change your diet. You might put in some rules and those rules might be for the next two months, I don't go out. Or for the next two months, if I'm going out, I only eat meat and vegetables or I only eat meat and salad or something like that, depending on what your diet is. And I'm going to track the calories of that thing. And so therefore you've created rules in order to give you two to three months of a good nudge in the right direction to change your nutrition or your dietary habits. And there you go. Now you're going to start to get good results because it's just going to become a pattern of behavior and it will start to shift into an identity. So normally what happens is if you've got an old identity and let's say the old identity is when I go out, I drink, I eat shitty food, then that identity will be who you believe you are. In order to get good results in life, you need to change the identity. But in order to change the identity, you've got to change the habit and then reinforce a habit enough until it becomes who you are. So most of my friends know me now as someone who works hard all the time. When I was younger, that wasn't the case. So I, when I used to go out and party and run amok, I used to be the party guy. I used to be the guy who would out drink everybody. I would be the guy who would run amok when I was out and about. And when I started to change into my new identity or change my behaviors, people would say things like, you know, fun anymore because they wanted me back into the old person that they knew. When I started to shift, it rattled their perception of who I was as a person. And then over time, I just became the guy that worked. Even one of my friends sent me a message the other day and he said, do you want to come out for lunch? And I said, mate, I'm flat out at the moment. I won't be able to, like, if we want to do lunch, it's probably going to be about six weeks away. And he wrote back to me and he said, you're always flat out, dude. And I said, I know, well, it's what happens when you've got big goals. So that's how I am now. So he knows I'm like that. He knows that I'm always flat out and that I've got a lot of shit on and that that's how I operate. Back 10 years ago, that wasn't me. And sometimes that conflicts with friends and family because they still remember you as the old person. But you need to give things a really good nudge if you want to create new habits. So if we go back and we talk about some of these laws again, just to repeat them and really sledgehammer them in or, or help you to understand these laws, the first law is the law of balance. And that is that everything in the universe brings itself back into some balance because everything is looking for its most stable forms. And you can see this in everything from quantum theory right through to chemistry. You can see it in biology or homeostasis. And we can see it 
right through into cosmology. Well, now there's new theories of cosmology coming out as well and people debating that the Big Bang uh, is actually just one thing instead of seeing it as potentially maybe a cyclical universe or a universe that expands and contracts. There, there are different theories out there around that. But we can see this principle out there in all fields of science, essentially, apart from, I guess you could say positive and negative thinking in psychology. It's just most people don't realize that they're essentially the same thing in a person's mind. And we will have both positive and negative thoughts and they will stabilize each other. But anyway, so that's the first law. The second law is the law of least effort or the law of least action. And that really is around that things will try to take the path of least resistance. So that's law number two. Law number three is Newton's first law of motion. And that is that an object at rest will remain at rest and a, an object in motion will remain in motion unless acted upon by an external or an imbalanced force. And then Newton's second law, which is the fourth law that I've been speaking about, but it's Newton's second law, is the acceleration of an object depends on the mass of the object. The acceleration of an object depends on its mass and also the amount of force applied. And then that relates back to habits. That if we wanna change a habit and we wanna change it relatively quickly and reinforce it, we really wanna push a lot of momentum behind it and do the best that we can for a period of time where that new habit will become cemented in. So I hope that helps driven mofos. I just wanted to share some of these because I've been talking about it with a few clients over the last couple of weeks. So I thought I would share it on this podcast as well. And hopefully it will help you to create new habits and maybe change some of the behaviors that you're looking to change. Anyway, driven mofos, have a great day. And I look forward to you joining me once again for another episode of The Underestimated Entrepreneur. Peace out. 